Argyle bombs at the box office. I saw a sneak peek of Dune Part 2 and I'll give you my amazing reaction. Iconic actor Carl Weathers has passed away. And Paul Thomas Anderson and Leonardo DiCaprio are filming a movie together right now. Let's get into this week's movie news on Raiders of the Lost Podcast. What's up, movie friends? Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. We have a ton of movie stories to get into, as well as the box office and a bunch of new trailer releases that I'm excited to talk about. First, let's get into that box office. Matthew Vaughn's Argyle debuted with an extremely disappointing $16 million opening weekend. It has also received mostly negative reviews from both critics and audiences alike. The cinema score is a C-plus grade from audiences, which is really hard to get. It seems like audiences weren't really impressed with what they saw. This movie cost over $200 million, so this is going to be a big hit on the studio. I'm not sure if they'll be able to make their money back. With a budget like that, Argyle should have debuted with about $50 million for it to have a chance to profit. So I can say that I wasn't really that interested in seeing the film too much. The trailer, I think, played for way too long. It seemed like every time I went to the movie theaters, Argyle played since early spring last year. I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen that trailer, and I think that ultimately this could have been a mistake of too much marketing and making people sick of what they were seeing. Um, seeing the theater's trailers, I could tell from the audiences I was sitting with multiple times the interest in the film wasn't really there, and so I'm not at all surprised by this debut weekend. The Beekeeper, on the other hand, is holding strong in its fourth weekend with $5 million. It's closing in on $75 million domestically, and broke $100 million globally, so it's a hit. Wonka moved up this week into third place with $4.7 million. It broke $200 million domestically, so it's a massive hit for the studio, over $400 million globally. So Timothy Chalamet's franchise looks to be in good hands going forward. Migration came in fourth place with $4 million. Mean Girls dropped its lowest so far to fifth place with $3.8 million, but still chugging along. Anyone but you... Still has legs. The rom-com brought in another $3.5 million to add to its $100 million-plus global box office. American Fiction and Poor Things are still benefiting from all the awards recognition they've gotten lately. American Fiction had, I think, its best weekend so far with $2 million, bringing its total run to $14 million since it was released in December. And Poor Things made another $2 million as well bringing its total to $28 million. So these are really healthy grosses for these independent films. Poor Things, with its international gross as well, could close in on 40 to $50 million. So it's always great to see creative artistic films make a good amount of money. It's that way that filmmakers like Yorgos Lanthimos can keep getting their films greenlit and projects put on the books. So we're very happy to see films like Poor Things and American Fiction doing well at the box office. Now let's get into the top stories. So... IMAX was gracious enough to invite us to a screening of Tenet in 70mm projection IMAX at the Universal CityWalk in Los Angeles, which is one of the best IMAX theaters in the world. And so we got to see Tenet on the big screen once again, and it was absolutely phenomenal. So Tenet will be re-releasing in theaters in IMAX starting on February 23rd. It will play for seven days, so it's going to play for a whole week in IMAX leading into the release of Dune Part 2 in IMAX. So if you didn't get a chance to see Tenet in theaters when it was released because of lockdowns, like many have, many of you haven't, I couldn't recommend seeing that movie on the big screen. I saw it in theaters in San Diego during lockdown because it was the only theater open 
in California within about three hours of us. So we drove from LA to San Diego just to see Tenet, and it was worth it. And I had seen the film a few more times since then, but watching it on that gigantic IMAX screen was, once again, a mind-blowing experience. So starting February 23rd, get your tickets for Tenet and IMAX. It's going to be fantastic for a, a live, for an event-type movie. Now, at the event, we got to see a really wonderful conversation between Denis Villeneuve and Christopher Nolan, the director of Tenet. Uh, Denis loves Tenet. He gushed about it. He asked Nolan so many great questions about the storytelling, about the writing, about the filmmaking. It was just a wonderful conversation to behold, to see two titans of cinema, two of our great contemporary filmmakers, sharing a conversation about both of their films. And I say both of their films because IMAX also debuted new footage and a scene from Dune Part 2. I'm not going to tell you what the scene was about, uh, but I will say that visually, it looks better than Dune Part 2. So Denis filmed it with better cameras and IMAX cameras, so the footage looks bigger, uh, more expansive, more immersive than even Dune Part 1. And I was just absolutely blown away. What was funny about the scene was within a minute, I was so sucked into the scene that when it was over about four minutes in length when the scene was over, I was like, oh my God, why? I just want to keep watching that movie. That's how just incredible the filmmaking was. And it was just really a scene that um, I wouldn't say is the opening of the film, but it could be something in the first act or so. Uh, but I was just completely invested just in a matter of minutes. And I couldn't, I, I'm just more excited than ever to see Dune Part 2. They also released a new teaser trailer. It's fantastic. All new footage, new dialogue from characters, uh, you're gonna get to see something really special on February, uh, on March 1st, when Dune Part Two comes out in theaters. And IMAX is really the only way to see it. I saw this footage and this scene in IMAX, and after that, I know without a doubt, I don't want to see this in a normal cinema. I want to see this in IMAX, and I couldn't recommend it enough. If you're near an IMAX theater, get your tickets for Dune Part Two in IMAX and in 70 millimeter if you can, because it was absolutely phenomenal. Now let's move on to a much sadder note. Um, an icon of our childhood, Carl Weathers, has passed away. So Carl Weathers was in some of our favorite movies growing up, and he just was a legend of screen. Uh, obviously, he's most famous for his role as Apollo Creed in Rocky, uh, but also Dylan, Dylan in Predator, and Chubbs in Happy Gilmore. So those are those are movies that we grew up watching on repeat with our brothers. Uh, uh, Carl Weathers was always like an instrumental part of our our household when, when you're watching movies. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen Predator, how many times I've seen Happy Gilmore, how many times I've seen the Rocky films. And Carl Weathers, with those films and anything else he was in, he made the films better with his presence and with his dynamism. Uh, just what an iconic presence on screen. And he's one of those actors where when he showed up, uh, you could tell he was special he was bigger, larger than life, uh, an incredible presence on camera. You couldn't look away from, and just so much strength and and so much personality and grit. And he's going to be missed. And he was really just so instrumental to our film watching as kids. I couldn't stress that enough. I mean, how many times I saw Happy Gilmore? I don't know. <laughs> so, a uh, Carl Weathers, one of the one of the greats, and he'll be missed for sure. And Sylvester Stallone posted a really touching an emotional heartfelt video on his Instagram account. Check that out. I teared up watching it and he looks really broken. But what was great is he really said that Carl Weathers 
is the reason why Rocky worked so well, and he made it special. And he, Sylvester Stallone said that he wouldn't have the career he had or the life he has if it wasn't for Carl Weathers taking on the role of Apollo Creed. So uh, I'm, I'm sure it's it's a tough moment for him. But check out that video. It's really great. All right, moving into uh, the biggest casting announcement this week. Brad Pitt will officially work with Quentin Tarantino on Tarantino's final film, The Movie Critic. This will mark their third collaboration together, starting with Inglorious Bastards, then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and finishing with The Movie Critic. Uh, Tarantino has always been a massive fan of Brad Pitt, and then that's why he cast him in Inglorious Bastards, wanting to work with him. And, you know, Tarantino and Pitt... They really work well together. They seem to be... Because they both seem timeless in their magnetism and their power on screen and in filmmaking. It just seems to be like two worlds colliding and creating something special. And all three of their collaborations have been like that. Uh, There's really no more details about Brad Pitt's role. I'm guessing um, he won't be the strictly the lead of the film. Um, I'm guessing it'll be like a very hefty supporting role, just like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I could be wrong. Uh, but there, the rumors about Paul Walter House for being the lead have been pretty present and um, consistent throughout the several months that the announcement since the movie's announcement. So uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing the final this film. They're gonna start filming the movie critic in early 2025. So I'm sure Tarantino is gearing up for that production. And they would have been filming it probably right now if it wasn't for the strike. So uh, I'm glad that they'll be able to get in production very soon. Hopefully, if they can film in early 2025, we'll get a December release in 2025. That would be my guess. Tarantino loves a Christmas release for his movies if he can make it happen. All right, speaking of great contemporary filmmakers, Paul Thomas Anderson and Leonardo DiCaprio are currently filming their next movie together. Very... Few details are have been released about the film, but we do know that DiCaprio is co-starring in the film with Alana Haim, uh, Tayana Taylor, uh, Regina Hall, and Sean Penn. So Alana Haim and Sean Penn were in Paul Thomas Anderson's previous film, Licorice Pizza. Tayana Taylor will be in Regina Hall. Will be first-time collaborators. There's also a newcomer. I can't remember her name. I couldn't find it, but she. It's this will be her film debut. Now, nobody really knows for sure what the film is about, but there's a lot of speculation that this could be an adaptation of another Thomas Peichen novel. So Paul Thomas Anderson previously adapted one of his novels, Inherent Vice, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, He's a huge fan of the writer and has always expressed that. It's pretty, it's, it's, he's a really interesting writer. It's bizarre stories, very complex mysteries, but very goofy, funny. Uh, Hippies are often involved. So if this is an adaptation of that novel. The novel is called Vineland, and it's about an America where sobriety is law, and so you can't high, you can't get high, you can't smoke, you can't drink, you can't do anything. And DiCaprio, it would be playing a character who is searching for his um, daughter's mom, his ex. Um, other than that, I don't know many details about the story, but. Uh, there's some footage and some images online of DiCaprio in character. He's got a handlebar mustache. He's wearing a gr- ridiculous outfit covered in dirt. And, and it's just very exciting to see these two working together. Um, DiCaprio's dad was actually in a role in Licorice Pizza, PTA's last film. I believe Paul Thomas Anderson's family has known the DiCaprio family because they're both families are from the San Fernando Valley area in the show business uh, industry. So I believe that both f- families actually have known each other for decades. And also, I mean, 
Paul Thomas Anderson has known Alana Himes' family since he was a kid. I just can't wait to see this collaboration. It's a collaboration of actor and director that I've always wanted. It's probably I've ne- probably never wanted to, a collaboration more than this one, uh, being one of my favorite directors and one of my favorite actors. So I'm just so excited to see them working together, and I can't wait to see what they have in store for us. I know it's going to be special, and I mean it's also Paul Thomas Anderson's highest budget. So rumors are saying that the budget has exceeded a hundred million dollars. Now for a Paul Thomas Anderson film. That is crazy. He's never gone near that. So I'm really excited to see him working on a really big scale. It should be really exciting. All right, next up, another major casting announcement is speculation about Supergirl has been in the air for weeks. James Gunn has announced previously multiple times that they had been in the casting process doing screen tests with multiple actors. A few actresses have been in the talks. Officially, Millie Alcock has been tapped to play Supergirl. I think this is a great choice. She's super talented. She blew audiences away with House of the Dragon. She was really fantastic and dynamic in that role and set the stage for uh, the the aged-up version of her character. I think she's a phenomenal talent. Uh, So she will be appearing as Supergirl in an unannounced DC film. It could be Superman Legacy, but we'll see going forward. James Gunn never didn't specify yet. So she's going to be introduced in a DC film. That's not her own. And then after that, she will get her own standalone DC film, a Supergirl movie. So I'm looking forward to this. I think this is a really smart casting. I don't know much about the Supergirl character at all, but based upon images and the very little details I do know about the character, Millie Alcock seems to be a great fit. Next up, Beetlejuice 2 has has dropped its first poster as well as the announcement date of its debut in theaters on September 6th, 2024, so this fall. What I think is really great, though, is the film is called Beetlejuice Beetlejuice, not Beetlejuice 2, not Beetlejuice Part 2. So I will say I'm kind of unsure about the movie, but Beetlejuice Beetlejuice being the title is really smart and makes sense, obviously, for the world. It's an interesting poster, and it's, it shows like the grimness, the coloring, uh, the dark greens. I think it's a really enticing poster and a fun little tease of the upcoming sequel. So Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice is coming out in September, everybody. Let's get into some movie trailers. There were some really good ones, but by far my favorite was Guy Ritchie's new film, The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, starring Henry Cavill, Isaac Gonzalez, Alan Richardson, and Henry Golding, as well as another round of ensemble actors. This is about the top-secret combat unit, which was true, composed of a motley crew of rogues and mavericks, which goes on a daring mission against the Nazis using entirely unconventional and utterly ungentlemanly fighting techniques. Ultimately, their audacious approach changed the course of the war and laid the foundation for the British SAS and modern black ops warfare. They have been teasing images of this for months I'm just so excited to see this film. It looks like a crazy, fun action movie in World War II. It's got definitely heavy Inglorious Bastards vibes. Henry Cavill looks like he's having an absolute ball, acting like a madman. His mustache, his crazy hair, it just looks like phenomenal. I love the costuming. It looks like a really good time. I love Guy Ritchie, and his, he's had some really great films recently. Uh, the Gentleman I Loved, Wrath of Man was great. Uh, these are He's just still got it. He's still kicking really well. And this looks like a really fun action movie. Uh, I, I just really adore this trailer. It's so much fun. So if you haven't seen the trailer for the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, check it out. 
And it's based on a true story. It's a really fascinating story. Check it out. We had a couple of teasers. So Squid Game 2 dropped its first teaser on Twitter through Netflix Netflix's Twitter account. This is just literally a 20-second little tease of the upcoming season, which comes out this year. And it's just a shot of Gihan, the lead character, answering a threatening phone call from his rival. His hair's all red. If you remember, he dyed his hair red at the end of the last season. This is the first footage that's been shown of the show. Um, this is obviously going to be a big hit. I think that Netflix is gearing this up to hopefully be their net, their Stranger Things. Once Stranger Things ends, they'll have Squid Game for maybe a few seasons because it is that big of a hit. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the first official full trailer. Next up, we had a teaser for Sonic 3. This is really just a title teaser. It uh, hints at uh, sh- uh, a couple of villains, um, but I'm excited. I think that Sonic 2 was really funny, uh, and Sonic 1 was a lot of fun as well. So this is a pretty fun uh, video game adaptation franchise. We had a couple horror trailers as well, which looked really interesting. So one that really struck a chord with me was In a Violent Nature, which is a POV serial killer film. So it's about a serial killer, but the entire film takes place from their perspective. Not shot POV, but like we're, sh- we're seeing them prepare for kills, the aftermath of kills, and, and carrying out the kills. So I think it's interesting. It's something that I wanted Scream to do. Of like, oh, let's see Ghostface from their perspective, like the whole movie. So I think this was a great, this is a great change of pace for a horror film and for the horror, serial killer film. That genre hasn't really had something like this. There's been a couple of times. There's an Elijah Wood one uh, called Maniac, I think, where it's his perspective. Um, but this is really interesting. I, I'm definitely down for this. And then another interesting horror film is an upcoming uh, Nicolas Cage film called Long Legs. Now, this trailer looks like it's a mix of documentary and narrative. And it's basically about the aftermath of a series of grisly killings of a family. Very few details are have been revealed about this. There's been a really cool slow burn marketing team, uh, marketing approach to this film. Uh, their Twitter and their Instagram have been posting very cryptic uh, posts. It's mainly just been like details about uh, crime scene um, investigation details and uh, this like slow tease of what the whole film is. And I still watching the trailer. I really don't even know what the film is. Uh, it's just a series of footage, evidence and uh, investigation footage with great sound effects and music and some narration. And you can hear Nicolas Cage's voice, voice a few times for sure. It's really, really smart marketing so far. I think it's, I think they're doing a great job uh, doing something fresh with a trailer, with clips, with posters. So, uh, check out the Long Legs trailer, as well as their really good posters. All right, the final trailer this week was a new trailer for Ghostbusters The Frozen Empire. This is a really great t- trailer. It looks like a much better movie than the first film. We're getting the whole crew, the OG crew, as well as the new crew. Um, so it's kind of just turning into like an Avengers-type size team-up of Ghostbusters. And it looks like a fun threat for the city. It's this ice monster ghost who is bringing in a new ice age. And it it's bringing that the large-scale, huge stakes that you loved in the first few films, especially setting it in New York, which I think is vital for, for a Ghostbusters movie. I liked the first film a lot. It was very charming. It was a nice new reimagining, reboot kind of legacy sequel. But... The one thing that was really missing, not aside from obviously the OG cast until the end, was that it just never quite felt right not being in New York City. 
And so now I understand like it's a great it was a great setup and now we're back in New York, which is where I think Ghostbusters movies have to be set for it to feel like a proper Ghostbusters movie. All right, let's get into some more news. So, like we've said a few times previously, a bunch of movie studios have been in talks to get the rights to 28 years later. Warner Brothers was originally reported as the front runner, but now Sony has officially landed a deal to produce and fund three sequels to 28 Weeks Later. It will be a trilogy of 28 Years Later sequels. Also, Killian Murphy has announced that he will be executive producing the films. Possibly, he hasn't confirmed it yet, possibly he will be starring in the films as well. I think that if he's in them, it'll get everybody so excited. And, I mean, to have him back, that would be just phenomenal. As well as a few of the other characters from the previous two films, it would be great to have them back as well. But Killian Murphy, I think they're probably negotiating a deal for him to star in it. That's probably what it is. Next up, Jenna Ortega and Amy Adams have been cast in the lead of Taika Waititi's next film, Clara in the Sun, which is an adaptation of the novel. Uh, They will star in this novel, which is an ambitious sci-fi drama and tells the story of Clara, who will be played by Ortega, who is an artificial robot friend designed to prevent loneliness for kids. Clara is then purchased by a mother who will be played by Amy Adams for her bright team, Josie, who adores her new robot companion but suffers from a mysterious illness. In the story, Clara the robot will go on a quest to try to save Josie from her illness and those who love from heartbreak and how the process teaches Clara the power of human love. So Ortega will be playing a robot. Interesting. (laughs) I love Taika Waititi, so I'm looking forward to seeing this. Next up, Catherine O'Hara, Beetlejuice star, as well as many other great things, has been cast in The Last of Us Part 2, unknown what she'll be playing. I've played Part 2, and I'm not sure exactly what role she'll be playing. My guess is there are several um, like tiny roles of supporting women, uh, middle-aged women in the, sh- in the second game, so I'm guessing they're probably beefing up one of those roles, or maybe she's... She'll be playing a new role. I'm not sure exactly what her role will be. Um, Next up, the final bit of news is a funny one. Picky Blinders actor Paul Anderson has been arrested for cocaine. Was arrested for cocaine possession. Um, I mean, he's just prepping for Picky Blinders the movie. Let let the man get in his character. I mean, he's he's got to play Arthur. I mean, you got to let him play Arthur. So get him in. Let him get into. His uh, acting process is all I say. Leave the guy alone. I think it's hilarious. Uh, but that's it for movie news. Thank you so much for tuning in to this new episode. We have a lot of great episodes coming out this week. We're doing an anime week slash animation week. So tomorrow we have a three-hour episode review and breakdown of Attack on Titan, the entire series. And then on Wednesday, we have another huge episode, two-and-a-half-hour episode on Avatar, The Last Airbender. Uh, joined by Jacob Kostler, our sound mixer. He is an uh, animation expert and anime expert, so it was great to have him on board to get his expertise on the genre. And I had a blast watching both of those shows, and I think they're really fantastic conversations and breakdowns of both those epic stories. Uh, I can't wait for everybody to listen to those. Uh, James is returning from the UK today, so he will be back to movie news episodes, letterbox recap episodes, weekly chat episodes, Patreon episodes. So everything's getting back to normal. Natalie, if you've been enjoying her on the show, she will still be joining us on episodes. So we look forward to 
having more conversations with her. In the meantime, feel free to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, join our Patreon. We have a bunch of great tiers with all sorts of amazing perks. And the best perk of all, I think, is the ad-free experience, which is only $5. For that, for that price, you get no ads on our show whatsoever. You can even connect your Patreon to Spotify so that you can listen to the shows on Spotify without any ads at all. Uh, again, thank you for all of your support. It means the world to us. See you next time.